<laughs> oh, out of the mouths of babes. I, I looked at that video and I'm wondering, how did we get to a place where half the kids don't have any idea what a resolution is, but they can tell you we want money. Money is a good goal. And I thought about that and it really struck me that, do you know what? It's not money's fault. Money gets blamed for a lot of stuff that it doesn't really do. That, that, for, for a child to say, I think money is a good goal for my life, that's, that's not because they have a concept of money or they've experienced it. That is because of what they've seen modeled. And I think that's part of what is incumbent upon us as the Christians, the people of God, the people that know how our priorities should be ordered to model for our children and the people around us. What exactly should our relationship with money look like in our lives? Uh, if you've had as a New Year's resolution or a goal for your life this year to get more money, stop right now, tear it up, change it, write something else down. Because that's not what we're supposed to be after. Uh, So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about prosperity. Why has it gotten a bad rap? What, what should it look like in our lives? We're going to talk about generosity. How should we be giving? What should that look like? And uh, we're also going to talk about what it means to give to the kingdom. And we're going to look at our annual financial report and, because I have to do that in January. So that's part of why we're talking about money. I'll tell you where the money went this year and where it's going to go this coming year and how much we should be giving. Uh, but today I want to start about talking about money, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And and hopefully give us a little bit of stirring to evaluate where has our relationship been with money? Has it been in the good category? Has it been bad? Has it been ugly? And uh, since the book of Genesis, you can go back, read your Bible. Since the book of Genesis, money has been in use in some form or fashion to trade, to barter, to, to exchange with people in order to get stuff and to give stuff. But money itself is neutral. Can I just make that statement? Money, money is not good, bad, or ugly. It is just neutral. It's in the middle. It doesn't care. There's, there's a dollar bill sitting in my pocket right now, very lonely all by itself, that doesn't care what happens to it. The, the dollar bill is neutral. I could spend it on lunch. I could give it away. It's just a piece of paper. It doesn't care. Money is neutral. It is a tool that we use to accomplish things in our lives. And as Christians, we recognize that God has given us a great commission. He's called us to disciple nations, to share the gospel with everyone, to teach them the things that Jesus said, to put them into practice in our lives. If we are called to disciple the nations of the earth, don't you think that we're going to have to engage with money at some point? Do you know that going to the nations of the world is not cheap or free? When, when, I, when I decided to go on missions to Tanzania last year, the airline didn't call me and say, you're going to disciple the nations. Great. Here's a free plane ticket. We won't charge you anything. It took real money to reach real people in the real world. So if that's the commission that God has given us, at some point we are going to have to receive and know how to interact with money to accomplish what he's called us to do. Now, uh, the catch is how we interact with money and the place that we give it in our lives. And that's kind of where the good, the bad, and the ugly comes in. Because sometimes money comes in our lives. Good. No problem. We interact with it in a very healthy manner. Sometimes it's bad, and sometimes it's really ugly. So that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, Here's a couple quotes for you. There are many. We'll probably throw out a couple fun quotes about money in in the coming weeks. But I found these. Uh, It says, money talks, but all mine ever says is goodbye. (laughs) Has anybody ever had that experience? Uh, It says, when it comes to giving, many people will stop at nothing. 
That's taking, I can tell it's taking a minute to sink in for some people. Uh, but we don't want to be people that stop at nothing. We don't want anything to hinder us from giving, but don't stop at nothing. Uh, the next one is money isn't the most important thing in the world. Love is. Fortunately, I love money. How's that for an indicator of where money ranks in someone's life? And it was interesting, that quote, you, you can go online and look it up, and that quote or some version of it is attributed to a whole bunch of different people. So it, who knows where it came from, but it, it reflects an attitude of the heart of, hey, I love money. Uh, honesty, now, now this one, supposedly Mark Twain said it, and it reminds me of something he would say. He says, honesty is the best policy when there's money in it. And then uh, the last quote I saw this week, some people are so poor... All they have is money. And I thought that was really, that, that was not out of the Bible. That was not Proverbs or Psalms. But man, that's a good one, isn't it? Some people are so poor that all they have is money. And it really reflects the place that money is intended to have in our lives. That it's not supposed to be the most important thing in the world. There are much, much more important things than what is in our checkbook or in our pocket or in our wallet. Whether we realize it or not. We are all cultivating a relationship with money every day. Did you ever think about that? The same way I work on my relationship with Pam, the same way I work on my relationship with my kids, whether I realize it or not, I'm cultivating a relationship with money every single day by what I do, where I spend it, what I, what I put my energy and my effort into. Uh, we don't even realize it, but it's going on and people see it and they see what it looks like in our lives, just like they see my relationship with Pam which could also be good, bad, or ugly for, for that case, I guess. There, there are many things that we interact with. So, but here's an example because I said money is just a tool. Uh, I have a relationship with my hammer. Sounds kind of funny to say it that way, right? But just if I say money is a tool, it's like any other possession in my house. It's like anything I own. I have a relationship with my hammer. I really like my hammer, but Pam never has to worry about whether or not my hammer is more important than she is. I don't sit at home at night and get envious and think about, well, I think my neighbor's hammer is nicer than mine. Mike works in construction. He's got like the Cadillac of hammers. I, I don't sit at home and think that and think, oh, I'm so jealous of Mike because he's, his hammer is nicer than mine. Do you see what I'm getting at? We never think that about a hammer. But money is a tool just like that hammer. And if, we were, if we're relating in a healthy way to it and we're relating rightly to it, Pam should never have to worry about whether or not money is more important than her. Ooh, that one's a little bit harder than my hammer that sits in the toolbox at home and I don't even give it a second thought. I think Pam actually probably wonders sometimes, where do I fit in the priority scale versus money? That brings it a little closer to home, but just like my hammer, money is a tool that can be used for good, bad, or ugly purposes. I get to choose where it fits in the economy of my life. And I need, just, just like I can choose to say, Hammer, you're going to sit there, you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. That's kind of how money should be. You're, you're going to be submissive to me, not me be ruled over by you. So, looking at this, uh, as we look at it over the next couple of weeks, we're, we're going to evaluate our relationship with money to see whether it falls into the good, the bad, or the ugly category. Uh, so first, let's take a look at what it looks like to have a good relationship with money. Uh, the first verse I want to read is Proverbs 10 and verse 22. Uh, the good news about money is that God actually promises wealth. Look at your, look at your neighbor and say, God promises wealth. Doesn't that sound kind of strange to say? No, Pam says no, but for some people, it's like kind of icky, like, oh, 
I just told you that God wants you to have money or promises you wealth. Where did pastor get that idea from this book? Has anybody else read that in this book? God actually promises wealth. Proverbs 10.22 says the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no trouble to it. This actually means wealth. When it, when it says the blessing of the Lord bring, brings wealth, you can go back and study that out. And wealth actually means wealth. It means money, possessions, uh, other expressions of wealth, stuff. Look at your neighbor and say stuff. stuff. The blessing of the Lord. How many of you have experienced the blessing of God in your life? And how many of you want more of the blessing of God in your life? Well, it says that the blessings of the Lord are accompanied by wealth. Now, Here's here's I want to make this very clear because I don't want to get into the the camp of saying, hey, every Christian needs to have a really loaded bank account and drive a nice car and all this. That's not what he's talking about. Uh, Wealth. When God talks about wealth, it encompasses much more than just material blessings. Okay, so please hear the balance in my heart on this as we go through this series. Wealth also talks about your state of being, uh, your relationships that you have, the the things that really matter in life. But it also does involve very real, tangible, practical stuff. And I think what's happened in Christian circles too long, we've used wealth. we've, We've said that phrase, well, wealth is more than money. And we've said that as an excuse for living in lack and being content with poverty. For example... If my dad had all the resources in the entire world, he was the wealthiest person on the planet, and I was content to live in poverty, what would that say about the character and nature of my father? You'd start to wonder, wow, he's, either you've really messed up your relationship with him, or he's not a very good dad. He's letting you wallow in squalor while he has all the money and the resources in the world. Wealth is more than money, but we can't use it as an excuse or, or want to shy away from talking about very real material things because that is part of the promise of the blessing of God. Proverbs 23.1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want or literally lack. Lack, poverty, is something that God is opposed to. If he truly is our shepherd, if he's leading us and we're following after him, we need to leave the poverty mindset behind. Now, it's getting tight now. It says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he has no trouble to it. God would not promise you something if it was harmful. Okay? God would not promise to add wealth to his blessings if it was something that was going to kill you, if it was poison to you. So it must be a blessing. It's just a matter of what we do when we receive it. Uh, Because I know, like many of you, that only good gifts come from God. So if he's blessed me, it must be a good gift. Um, Notice that the wealth that comes from God has no trouble associated with it. That means there's no pain or there's no offense that comes through it. So I think that's what sets the wealth from God apart from worldly wealth. If you are pursuing worldly wealth, it brings a lot of trouble because I worry about it all the time. How am I going to acquire it? How am I going to save it? How am I going to protect it from other people taking it from me? That's trouble, and that's what happens when you put it in the world priorities. But when it comes from God, you receive it as a blessing. Lord, thank you for this. This is a tool. I'm going to be generous with it. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. That is no trouble added to it. Now, does that mean that God wants every Christian to be financially wealthy? No. Look look at your neighbor and say he's not one of those ugly prosperity preachers. 
How do you, how do you even say that? You guys know who I mean, right? You've, you've seen people preaching the message of you can just have whatever you want because God wants to give you a new car or a new house or all kinds of money. That's out of balance. That is not God's plan for every Christian to just have anything we want because then we'd run around like spoiled little children all day. But we can't shy away from when he wants to pour real tangible blessings into our lap. I'm only saying that because there are some people I've met that have this. Have have you ever met someone that's taken a vow of poverty? Just like, oh, worldly possessions are no good. I'm giving away all my money. I'm giving away all my stuff. If If you've taken a vow of poverty, you're not following Jesus very well. Because he actually had resources and it says he wants to bless you with stuff. If I was Jesus and you're giving, if you don't want to take anything I'm trying to give to you, I would be wondering what's going on with you. What's up with our relationship? All right, let me read you another verse just to, just to see how it fits. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Part of the covenant we have with God is the ability to produce wealth. He gives us talents, skills, and resources to go out and earn a living. That is part of the blessing that God releases to us. And why does he do it? So that we can earn a living, so that we can be generous, so that we can have resources to give away to others, so that we can receive wealth. And I'm, some people are still looking at me like, I'm not sure about that, Pastor. Mm. He doesn't promise every Christian material, financial wealth, but he does promise that he'll give you the abilities that when you steward and apply them correctly, when you order your life by the principles that are found in this book, you will begin to prosper. When the Bible talks about not being a borrower, not... Can I just say it's a very godly principle not to spend more than you earn. When you begin to order your life according to the principles of God, you prosper. That's the outcome because that's how God designed it because he likes to bless his children that follow after him. And here's another verse. Proverbs 14:24 says the wealth of the wise is their crown. But the folly of fools yields folly. So when he says the wealth of the wise, he's actually talking about people that use wisdom, that follow the principles found in his book. They begin to receive wealth as a reward. Second Corinthians 9, this is, this is the hallmark of a good relationship with money. He says, you will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion and through your generosity, will result in thanksgiving to God. That is the hallmark of a good relationship with money, is that you become a generous person and a thankful person. If you want to evaluate, how is my relationship with money this morning? I guess some some people, it's kind of hard to evaluate your relationship with money if you don't have any. Uh, So that, that could be kind of a foreign concept to some of us. But the money that does come to us, how are we interacting with it? If we have a good relationship with money... We will be generous people and we will be thankful. God, what you've placed into my hands, this is awesome. Thank you so much, God. Let me look around. Who can I be a blessing to now? 
You've, you've given me the ability to bless others. I want to be a generous person because it produces good things in my life. That is a good relationship with money. Uh, that, that really is a hard one to preach sometimes. Because people, that's where it gets out of balance is people think, oh, you're just talking about money again and, and we should all have money. I'm not talking about we should all have money. Okay, there, there is more to wealth, but if you are in a poverty mentality that says it's okay to live in lack and be destitute all the time, that needs to go because God really wants to take care of his children. How does that happen? Sometimes it comes through being connected to people that will take care of you. Sometimes it comes through realizing, oh, I've got gifts and talents and abilities that I should get a job. There, there are verses in the Bible that talk about you shouldn't be idle and busybodies that we should all work so we can eat. There, there are very real ways that we can move out of where we are when we're in lack. And how much is too much? I don't know. All I know is if you are content in any circumstance, you've arrived. And we'll talk about that verse in a minute. All right, let's, that's the good relationship with money. Generosity and thankfulness. What happens when it's bad? Uh, the bad relationship with money I termed as looking for love in all the wrong places. Because that's what happens when our relationship with money goes bad. It begins to compete for our affections. Uh, this is one of the most misquoted verses in Scripture. First uh, Timothy 6.10 says, The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. How many of you have ever heard that part misquoted? People just say money is the root of all evil. It's not. Money is a tool. It can be used for good or bad. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it says some people eager... Ooh, has anybody ever met somebody eager for money? Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves from, with many griefs. So money itself is not evil. It's a tool. But the love of money is a seed that gets in our lives and it begins to grow and it begins to produce all kinds of evil, Paul says. What does money produce if we love it too much? I begin to get jealous of my neighbor. I begin to look at the stuff that they have and wonder why they're getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed. Uh, we begin to produce strife in our marriage. Has anybody ever had a bad relationship with money that produced some strife in your relationship with your spouse? There's all kinds of evil that begins to spring up when we love money. It begins to con contend for my affections that should be placed in other places. I... I see all these phrases. You see phrases like blood money and dirty money. You ever see any of those? And they try to personify money like it's something evil in and of itself. But those titles, dirty money, blood money, all that, they're more of a comment on the people behind the money. How was it earned? What's the attitude and the intent? How are they using it? That's what happens. Uh, when we love money too much, when we love money at all, it turns a potentially good relationship that we could have with it into a bad one. Because the Bible says we will run after it and we'll begin to pierce ourselves with many griefs. I don't like being pierced by anything. There were many years when I didn't go on missions because I was afraid of needles and getting shots to get injections. I am a non-pierced person. There are no piercings on my body anywhere and if I can avoid them, I do. How much more when we read something that says you'll be pierced with many griefs? That doesn't sound comfortable to me in any way, shape, or fashion, so we need to avoid it. And where does being pierced with many griefs come from? It has its root in loving money and pursuing it, making it the object of our pursuit. Money is okay in and of itself, but when we begin to make it 
what we want to attain, what we want to acquire. We, you ever meet people like that? You can tell they love money because of how they've ordered their life. I am ordering my life in such a way that my end goal will be money. I will have more than you. I will have more than I have right now. And everything that I do is geared towards that. That's being eager for money and you're setting yourself up to be pierced with many griefs. Hebrews 13.5, the encouragement there is keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He says, keep your lives free. We actually have a part to play in keeping our lives free from the love of money. That means we actually have the capacity to recognize when the love of money is creeping into our lives and to uproot it and to get it out of our lives. To put our priorities back in order, to put money back in its place, the same way I put my hammer back in the toolbox, money, you're going back in your place. You've, you've tried to raise up and contend for my affections for God. Uh, he says, be content with what you have. Uh, I saw this quote, he says, prosperity is actually about wanting what you have, not having what you want. Has anybody ever heard that quote? We can be content by looking and being content with what we have right now, not wanting a whole bunch of things. The secret to contentment he gives in that verse. Why can we be content with what we have? Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The secret to contentment is knowing that love for God is infinitely more satisfying than anything else you could put your affections on. When I love him, when I recognize that he's always with me, that his presence surrounds me, that he overshadows me everywhere that I am, nothing else that I could put my affections on will compete with the love that he has for me and my relationship with him. That is the secret to contentment. Because Paul was in some good places. Paul was in some bad places, wasn't he? He says, I've learned the secret to be content at all times. A bad relationship with money results in money receiving our affection when really God should. That, that is, that is good, good relationship in a nutshell, generosity and thankfulness. Bad relationship with money in a nutshell, I love it. It's, it's taking the place of every other thing in my life. What is the ugly then? How do we go from bad to ugly? Happens quicker than we like to think, doesn't it? We, we go from a good relationship and all of a sudden we start to love money a little bit. It becomes bad. Well, the ugly relationship is when money actually takes over. Money becomes our God. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Money moves very quickly from the bad to the ugly category when it competes with Jesus for lordship in our lives. We are called to be the people that Jesus is our boss, right? Whatever you want from me, Lord, is what I want for my life. Well, the relationship with money gets ugly when we begin to look and say, well, what could I do to make money happy? How could I get more of it in my life? It's going to give me my marching orders. And that's when it turns ugly. Jesus actually talks about it in this context because he knows although it is just a tool, it has a hold on us. It, it is a tool, but it's more than just a hammer. It is, it is a tool that begins to have a grip on us that if we're not careful with using it, just, just like I could whack my thumb with that hammer again and again and never learn my lesson apparently. My, 
My floor of my garage and many projects have been coated with blood from my thumb. Just like I can whack my tool, my thumb with that hammer, you can use money and hurt yourself. And it's, it gets such a grip on us that Jesus said it can actually compete. He says you can't serve God and money. It becomes a God to us. Come on, isn't that silly? We would never think about, hey, I'm going to bow down and worship my hammer. I'm going to take my marching orders. Okay, hammer, what do you want me to do today? But we do that with money. What, what can I do to make money happy, to keep it in its, in its place, to get more of it so I can feel trusted and protected because I've got enough money to watch over me? In fact, some uh, versions that you might have that read that verse, it uses the word mammon. Anybody have a version that uses the word mammon or you've heard that before? What is the word mammon? That's kind of an old-timey word that they've translated as money, but mammon actually means money, material possessions, or anything you put your trust in. So Jesus is saying you can't serve God and put your trust in something else. Because it it really does come down to a trust issue also. Am I trusting in God to take care of me or am I trusting in my money to take care of me? That's, That's how money becomes our God, when it starts taking the place of what God should be doing in our lives. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I'll watch over you, I'll be your shield, I'll be your protector. When the relationship with money gets ugly, it's because we put money in that place of God. You're going to be my shield, my protector. You're never going to leave me or forsake me. You're going to watch over me. And Jesus actually says, either you will hate the one and love the other. Wow. This, this really differentiates money from my hammer. Because I never think about, oh, I love my hammer so much I begin to hate God. But it happens with money. Man, following after God is really getting in the way of me earning a living. It's really getting in the way of me acquiring the stuff I want. Hatred, uh, it really can mean detest, to be hating something, to be opposed to it. You know, like, God, you're, you're annoying me because you're interfering with my pursuit of money. But in that context, hatred also just means to love less. So, so it is saying hatred... Um, Money and God are two competing relationships. And as I add love for money, my love for God decreases. They're in competition. They're in balance. And what I want to do is I want to continue to love God more so that I love money less. Here's, here's an example of a guy that had an ugly relationship with money in Acts chapter 8. Uh, in, starting in verse 18, there was this guy named Simon. And he'd been following the disciples around and watching how they were conducting themselves. And they'd been having these amazing meetings. People had been getting saved. They were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amazing things were happening. And uh, it says when Simon, in chapter 8, verse 18, it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter answered to him, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. If we make money our God and it competes for that relationship, we begin to think money can solve everything. Oh, yeah, I see how you disciples are working these meetings. Can you just tell me your secrets? I'll give you money. You tell me how it works. 
We think money can solve it all. And Simon was in an ugly relationship with money. He had made it his God because he thought he could acquire anything he wanted or needed through his interactions with money. Wealth comes from God. God activity isn't produced by wealth. There, there is an order of things that if we're lining our hearts right with him, he will begin to pour out blessings on us. We will see wealth flow through our lives. But it gets out of whack very quickly when we think our wealth can actually produce his life in us. And an ugly relationship in a nutshell is when money becomes our God. So now it's, it's moved from a category of bad where I'm just loving it. I'm kind of giving it a little bit of my affection to it's flat out idolatry now. It's my God and I'm pursuing it with all my heart. That's an ugly relationship with money. And I think it's very interesting if you read that story with Simon. Uh, I think the attitude towards money was just a symptom of Simon's problems. There, there was, what was really affecting him was the attitude of his heart. There was bitterness and sin in his heart. And it manifested by him asking, hey, can I have this gift of God? Can I pay you for it? The secret is that money always manifests what's going on inside of our hearts, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. You want to know what's important to somebody, you look at where their money goes. Did you ever notice that? You could, you could show somebody your bank account or your checkbook, and in about five minutes we'll know what's the most important thing in your life. Money always manifests what's going on in here. And I think our relationship with money... It actually also comments on how ready we are to grow with God and to be uh, receiving more from Him spiritually. There's a verse in Luke 16, and I'll end with this this morning. Uh, Jesus said this to His disciples. He said, If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Our relationship with money, good, bad, or ugly, really does comment on our ability to grow with God and to walk with Him. If I can't handle worldly riches, how would I ever expect to get entrusted with anything from the kingdom? Responsibility with natural wealth can actually be a test to see what we're going to do with spiritual wealth that He gives us. If I can't handle my money right and I'm greedy or I'm stingy, how am I ever going to interact in a healthy manner with the people of God? How am I ever going to begin to grow in a context where all I'm thinking about is how can I get more money out of these people? What I want us to do as we move forward in this series and then this year, I want us to take stock of where is our relationship with money. Are we in a position where it's good, where we're, we're being generous with what God's given us, where we're being grateful for it? And I'm, I'm talking to myself now as much as anybody else in this room of needing to take stock of my attitude towards money. Am I being generous with it? Am I grateful with what God's given me? Am I moving into a bad relationship with money where it's beginning to compete for my affections, where I'm spending a little too much time thinking about where the money's coming from and less about what God's doing in my life? Or have I gotten to a place where it's, it's gotten downright ugly and I've made money my God and I've ordered my entire life around pursuing it? The good news is, if you're in a bad or ugly relationship with money, you can get out of it. You can get back to having a good and healthy relationship with money and expecting God to bless you. Sometimes it takes a little work, though. We're, we're, I was just talking with somebody this morning. Have you ever noticed how you can get saved and be right with God, but somehow you still carry a bunch of debts? 
Like, like the bank doesn't look at you and say, oh, Vic, that's great that you got saved. We're going to wipe out all your credit card debt that you amassed in the last 10 years of whatever you've been living. Sometimes it takes work to get out of that place we've made, but the first step to getting out of that place is changing what's going on right in here. Because that is the secret. Our heart attitude towards money, the relationship we have with it, is the first step that needs to change to get out of any bad or ugly relationship we've had with it. And that comes to a point of saying, God, I've, I've come to grips. I, I know it because I know that you're speaking to me. I'm in a bad relationship with money. Lord, I repent. I want you to be back first place in my heart. I want you to have the top spot. And I, all that, whatever I've accumulated over the years, you'll help me make a plan to get out of that. But first, my heart's going to be entirely devoted to you. Let's go ahead and stand. Silas asked me yesterday, he says, Dad, do you hate talking about money in church? And I said, sometimes, because sometimes it feels like it felt a little earlier today. I, I don't want to, how do I say this even? I don't want us to be in a place where we make money our pursuit and we get into a bad relationship with it. But I do want you to have an expectation that God is a good God and he even will bless you with stuff that we need to be looking at saying, "Okay, this is a good gift from you, God. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to be happy about it. I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be generous with it. And I am going to hold it like this so that if you want to move something in or out of my hands that's different than what I have, you're welcome to do it. We get unhealthy with money and wealth when the stuff that God puts in our hands, we begin to hold it like this instead. And I don't know where you are on that journey. I don't, I don't know where money ranks in your life. That's, I'm just talking about it. And I want you guys to, to do some business with God of asking him, God, where is money in this priority list in my life? Is it in the right spot? Is it, is it in its place like a good tool? Or have I elevated it to somewhere it doesn't need to be? Let me pray for you. God, I ask that you would speak to us right now about money. That you would show us anywhere in our lives where money has been out of whack. Where we've maybe made it more important than you or we've started to give it our attention and our affection. And God, we say right now as a people that you are our first love. Help us, God, to set our hearts back in order. Put us aright, Lord God, in our priority list. Where things need to be and where you need to be. And God, as we start into this new year, man, I just, I want you to receive this because I just feel like I talked about money today, but I think God's even talking about a bigger context of relationships. A new year always seems to be a good time to move out of a bad relationship and into a new one. God, whatever relationship we've had that's been broken in the past, whether it's been with money or some other thing in our lives or some other person, I ask that today you would release the grace in our lives to start fresh, to move on, to to make that relationship healthy, to move it out of where it's been, and to move it into a good place. 
God, empower us. Give us wisdom to make right choices. God, give us the follow-through. Give us the perseverance that comes from you to order our lives according to the principles of your word. And Lord, where anybody's feeling the weight of those bad choices, the broken relationships, I ask that you would lift that weight this morning, give them hope, release it into their lives, let the light dawn this morning, Lord God, let them see a way out of where they are. God, I thank you that that no, no hole we've ever dug in our lives is too deep for your mercy and your grace and your love to find us. <laughs> God, we were, at one point, we were all in a hole much deeper than any financial debt. We were in a hole of sin, and you sent Jesus and rescued us. So God, I know that no hole that we've dug is too deep where you can't find us, where you're not with us, where you don't show us a way out. So I ask that that light of hope would dawn in our hearts this morning, that we would begin to make a plan, that we would see a way out by following after you. God, I thank you for your people this morning. Thank you that you are our Lord, that you've given us the ability to produce wealth, that you've You are, you have, and you are, and you will be making us generous people, Lord God, as we follow after you. Change the very attitude of our hearts if it needs it, Lord. I thank you for a company of people that love to give, that love you with all their heart. And Lord, I ask that as we leave this place, you would continue to watch over us, that you would be with us. Remind us of that verse, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. And that's how we can be content, Lord God. That's how we can know. God, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy today. Thank you for all that you are in our lives. Continue to grow us into the image of your Son, Lord Jesus. I'm going to dismiss you this morning. You're welcome to leave. But I'm going to open the altar ministry team will be up here. If if you need prayer for anything, if it's healing in your body, sickness, disease, whatever it is, pain, we're going to pray for Chelsea. You're welcome to come to the altar and receive prayer this morning. You're also welcome if you just want to come and say, God, here I am. I I just need to leave 2014 in the past and move into 2015. The altar will be open for you to do that as well. Just bless you guys. You're dismissed. Have a great afternoon. Love you guys. Please get prayer if you need.